Hello and welcome to Hymns We Love. My name is Steve Kramer and I help with connections in Claygate with my wife Pippa, which is where this series around Hymns We Love first began. Each day this week we're looking at a different well-loved hymn and through each one we'll explore an aspect of God's character. Each day we will sing the hymn and then look at what we can learn from it and from its author. We'll then sing the hymn again before ending with a short prayer for ourselves and those around us in these difficult times. In total it should take around 20 minutes but don't worry this call isn't costing you anything so please feel free to relax and listen. Today we are looking at our fifth and final hymn and can it be This is a wonderful hymn which draws together many of the things we've been thinking about over the last few days and turns them into a joyful, triumphant and confident response to God. Let's hear it now and as always if you know the words you are very welcome to sing along as loudly as you like.
Today we reach the end of our short journey looking at the Christian faith through some of our most loved hymns. Don't worry if you've not been with us for the whole time. These sessions will be repeated again so please feel free to call back. Our hymn today is an answer to the question, what does it actually mean to follow and trust God? How do we respond to a God who is on the one hand the holy creator of the universe and on the other, our very personal rescuer and redeemer. A God of power and might who also lavishes us with grace and love and longs to guide and comfort us through every step of our journey through life. Well, I think in answering this question, we can learn a lot from today's hymn and its writer. And Can It Be was written by Charles Wesley in 1738. Charles and his older brother John are best known as the founders of the Methodist Church and the leaders of what is now known as the Great Awakening, a huge revival of Christianity in the mid-1700s. John Wesley was the more famous as a preacher, but it was Charles who wrote the hymns. And boy, did he write hymns around six and a half thousand in total. That's two and a half hymns a week, every week for 50 years, week in, week out, no breaks. But his parents were also not exactly lacking in energy. Charles was the 18th of 19 children produced by Susanna and Samuel Wesley. And rather than be totally exhausted by that achievement, they still found time for Samuel to be a parish priest writer and poet and for Susanna to teach all their children at home so proficiently that by the time they were 11 they were virtually fluent in both Latin and Greek and already knew large sections of the New Testament by heart. Frankly I really don't know what I've been doing for most of my life to have achieved so little in comparison. But this work ethic was then reflected in the way Charles and John went about their Christian lives. At university, Charles set up what became known as the Holy Club. It was a group of students who were almost fanatical in their pursuit of living a devout Christian life. They met for three hours every day for prayer and study and still made sure they had time outside of that to pray in every single hour of the day that they were awake. They were earnest and honourable but fell into that age-old mistake of thinking their behaviour could earn and improve their salvation. They were so rigid that people mocked them for following such strict, unbending methods. And so soon they began to be called Methodists, a term which stuck with them for the rest of their lives. However, Charles knew that for all their outward piety, something was still missing internally. For all his efforts, he hadn't earned his way to a closer relationship with God. Something was still missing. And so it was on the 21st of May in 1738 in London at the house of a man called John Bray 
that Charles Wesley suddenly understood and then encountered the grace of God and the love, forgiveness and joy that followed from just giving in and letting God take over. Three days later, his brother John experienced the same and the impact of this changed the whole of Britain. And if you want to know how Charles felt about this, then today's hymn tells it all. Written just after his experience, it shows how his black and white world of duty and obligation has been transformed into the technicolour of relationship and love. And that's why we can say, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. So, what about you and me? Can we say those words with the same conviction as Charles? How do we respond to all that God has done for us? Should we, like the younger Charles Wesley, try to earn God's acceptance through religious observance? Or should we follow the Charles Wesley of today's hymn and simply receive the gift held out to us by God, accepting that we don't have to do anything to earn God's love because everything has already been done by Jesus. Three days ago, we briefly reflected how Christianity is different from any other religion because it gives us no role in our own salvation other than to say thank you. But I think if we are honest, even if we agree with that in principle, in today's culture, it can be hard for us to completely embrace. We are so ingrained with a strong work ethic, we have to earn money, earn respect earn the chance to retire, that we can be suspicious of something given for free with no strings attached. And like the early Charles Wesley, we then bring this thinking into our approach to God. The sad fact is that if you ask most people, perhaps even those within the church, what Christianity is about, they will say it is about being good, going to church on Sundays, singing the right hymns, being kind to people, living a good life. Or perhaps if they are more cynical, they may say it's about being a goody-goody, a spoil sport, frowning on fun, judging others and arrogantly criticising everyone else's behaviour. But both of these are so far from the truth because they place us, not Jesus, at the centre of our own salvation. They are at risk of turning our relationship with God into a sort of contract, He's done his bit in sending Jesus to die for us. Now we just need to do our bit by being good if we're going to keep the prize. But the Christian faith is the exact opposite of this. It's not about what we can do for God. It's all about what God has done for us. Now, of course, that doesn't mean how we behave doesn't matter. Jesus talked a lot about how we should behave, how to lead a good life, what standards we should aim for. But the motivation for this is so different. God is not pushing us into a certain level of behaviour through fear or guilt. Rather, our behaviour is simply a response to the love and grace we have received. As is often the case, Shakespeare has a wonderful analogy. In the play Antony and Cleopatra, Antony describes his love for Egypt like this. He says, My heart was to thy rudder tied by the strings. For a Christian, the desire to live a good life is not about being pushed by fear, 
but being pulled by love. As if our hearts were tied by string to God, so that wherever he leads, wherever he sails, our heart follows. And isn't this so much better? The way of grace says everything has already been done by Jesus on the cross. There's nothing you or I can do to make it any better. And the wonderful good news of Christianity is that all you and I need to do is rely on Jesus. And with him, we can be 100% sure because he will never, ever let us down. It is Jesus who has made us good enough. The Father has adopted us. We have become his children. And that is why Charles Wesley could end his hymn so positively and so confidently. No condemnation now I dread. I'm clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Because of what Jesus has done, you and I can approach God with confidence. Confident not in ourselves or what we've done, but confident in God and what he has done. Confident that if we give him our life, it will be safe in his hands, both now and for eternity.
Hello, this is Pippa, and I lead Connections, which is where Hymns We Love first began. Maybe, having listened to Hymns We Love, you feel you would like to turn afresh to God and place your life safely in his hands. If you would like to do that, for the first or even the thousandth time, Pope Francis talks about us receiving the love of Christ afresh every day, you can be confident that God is listening, that he will forgive, and that your life will be safe in his hands, both now and for eternity. And if you would like to do that, please feel free to pray the following prayer. I will pause after each line so you can repeat it yourself, if and only if you would like to do so. My Lord and my God, thank you that you made me and you love me. Thank you that this love and acceptance isn't based on my goodness, but on the goodness of Jesus. I ask for your forgiveness for the times I have lived away from your ways. Thank you for the love that you have shown me in Jesus. Today, I want to receive that in a fresh way. Thank you for your amazing gift of eternal life. I give my life to you and would love you to be my Lord. Please come and live your life in me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, let's pray for those around us in these difficult times. Dear Heavenly Father, in this time of lockdown and pandemic, we pray for our world, our nation, our communities and ourselves. We pray for all those in authority, both in our own country and across the world, and ask that you give them wisdom, vision, strength and humility to lead wisely and compassionately at this difficult time. We pray for all those working hard and risking their lives to help others at the moment, in particular those working in the NHS, in care homes, in medical research and in the community supporting the sick and the elderly. Please strengthen them and protect them. Give them skill empathy and resilience to enable them to keep caring and supporting others. 
We pray for all those who are sick and ask that they may know your presence in their isolation and your peace in their turmoil. For those who are grieving, we ask you, dear Lord, to bring them comfort in their loss and your hope in the depths of their despair. We now pause to name before you those who we know are frail, sick or grieving. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves and ask that you would protect and sustain us in mind, in body and in spirit and that we would know your peace each step of the way through these dark days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for calling Daily Hope. Please call again tomorrow or press zero to return to the main menu.